This, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, May 28th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, podcaster, author, speaker, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. She just got out of a really long counseling session, so if it takes a while to ramp up, that's why. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, mogul, producer, Derek Miner. What up? Okay, now I have to set some context. Okay, so this is the May 28th episode. Y'all listening are hearing this on Friday, May 28th or soon thereafter. We are recording this a full week in advance. This is the, We do this one time a year because in a couple of days, Jesse, Derek, and I are flying to Wyoming where they have no internet. So we can't, We not that the whole state has no internet. I was but gonna say, we're dang, going to say, dang, the whole state don't have internet. They're bro. off the grid. Wyoming has gone off the grid. The whole state. Uh, hey, where y'all rogue. taking me, man? Hey. Look, look, Wyoming's just sick of it. They don't want anything to do with what's happening on the internet these days. They pull the plug on the whole state and everyone's cool with it. So if something big happened, if something if big happened in the next apart. week, we don't know about it. Don't hold it against us. Okay, that's number one. Number two... Right now, when y'all are hearing this, Derek will be at the tail end going home of his first Wyoming experience. And Jesse, we are at, we have this weird kind of time travel thing going on where we can prepare him for something that he has now experienced. I think you should just give Derek a little taste of what future Derek will have gone through. I'm you scared. know what I'm saying? You're scared, Derek? Are you excited? No, I'm scared. I've never been in the woods with this many white people in my life. He, li- he literally no- asked me. With, he texted with, me the other day. No he's, like, he's like, "Can I bring my? Should I bring like my, my Jordans?" And I'm like, "No, man, you bring beaters." He's like, "Oh <laughs> no!" Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, nah, like no, I'm like, I'm, I, I, I'm like, man." I, and then it's y'all are so vague. Like, I'm like, "What are we doing?" Ah, we're just fishing. And I don't know. I'm don't like, know, see. man, it might be a seance or something. <laughs> we don't want to reveal. What is involved in your initiation? But right. um, after the rituals, the Derek that will hear this podcast will know yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, after the rituals are done and all the potions have been consumed um, and the oath has been taken, we, the, you know it'll be you'll be a different man. No, one week from now, Derek, I'm picturing you. You're 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 back, or, or I say two weeks from now, you've come back from Wyoming. And I and I see you in your house. You're wearing fly fishing waders, and you've just uh, decided. I feel <laughs> like you've, them you've made them. Yeah, but but as like a fashion statement, like you know, everybody thought Jerry Lorenzo was crazy when he was you know bringing back sweatpants and windbreakers. It'll never work. Derek's going to get a vision of the future, and he's going to go straight up streetwear waders. Okay, uh, I don't see why this could not work in 2021. I'm ready, baby. I like it. I, you're gonna have your own little streetwear spinoff at Pack Sun with a, with the weighty with the fly fishing. He's gonna be like tru- urban trucker. That's gonna be his thing. I'm his with thing. it. I'm I like with it. it. I, I need okay. I need something new because are there gonna be other black people there with him? Yes. Prop. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, Derek, see? you're good. There's a few other friends. Yeah. So 
I just know prop's coming, so that made me feel comfortable. Prop, it's, here's the thing: is like prop got initiated a few years ago, and he keeps coming back. So that should tell it's you a good something, sign. right? Good sign. Yeah. Nah, he's he's told me about it. He's like, bro, you got to come out on this trip. So this is the first time I was like, you know what? I've not been doing anything for a year and a half. <laughs> This is a good way to kick it off. This is good. Like you've got all this pent up experiences. You have a lack of experiences. We're going to do all the experiences in four days. Like we're just going to. Yeah. See, see, Derek, here's the thing. Some people on these trips are experienced people. Some people are just sit back and do nothing. People. I'm going to sit back and do right. nothing. Person. I tend to be a sit back and do nothing. I will go fishing. I made the last the, the first year I fished like, you know, a bunch of days and I fished all day. The, the second year, Cameron and I pulled over our boats about 15 minutes into the fishing day, we and we all just kind of hung out on the beach, just hanging out, making fires all day. Dude, there have been like, I've almost started wildfires. We jump, we like, we buy so many illegal fireworks that like, we make, like, we get tired of shooting them off. So we you're, just you're make a bonfire. <laughs> we, we buy a bonfire. We like do a bonfire of fireworks and things are just shooting out of it. And then we run and jump over it and stuff. This Dude, is not fun to It's me. a wild time. Derek, right now, is not the Derek in a week. I'm telling you, May 28th, Derek <laughs> is going to have some stories to tell that Look, this man. Derek wouldn't believe. I'm telling you. You're, you're going to be you're going to be at your house. You're, you're going to take a break from binge watching Yellowstone uh, and then to just... <laughs> To do Wyoming things, which is like go out to the window and just kind of blankly stare out in the horizon and pontificate about the coming weather. Like just, that's, all, that's that's what you do when you get home. I just don't see the point of jumping over a, a, a firework death I don't either. Uh, pit. Like es- it just escalating the excitement level. <laughs> like like we're shooting them off. Oh, that's cool. Wyoming's off the grid now, and so it's sort of like who's gonna know. You know, it's sort of the, the whole si- the, the the whole state is in a is in like you know better to ask uh, forgiveness than permission. You know, right. they're they're going off the grid. No one's gonna tell on you. You can do whatever you want out there because it's not gonna find its way to the internet because uh, there is no internet. What a lot of people don't know <laughs> there's no is internet. they didn't intentionally pull the plug. The governor right. did something, went offline. No one's been able to figure it out. Everyone's just like, you know, we kind of like this life better. This no internet life. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, we have a great show in store for you. Hopefully we all come back safe and sound and we'll have a show next week. But in case this is the last show oh my that gosh, we ever were able to make. It. Why? I'm just saying that we would be going out on a high note because we've got a great show okay. in store. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you got to live every moment like it nah, could be your last. Uh, That's Didn't true. you ever go to youth group and they're like, hey, you could be driving home and get hit. Where are you going? Heaven or hell? Hand, I mean, yeah. I live my whole life like... Saying, I want to get saved, you know, because this could be your last day. You never know. Um, so in case this is our last day, because this ain't going to be my last day. I ain't jumping over no fire pit with no fireworks in it. Guys, if, if Derek does, y'all. please capture a photo for me and the internet and the world. Oh, Wyoming has no, they, you have to leave your phone and your cameras at the airport. They put them in a little basket. You pick it up when you leave. Wyoming is a don't ask, don't tell state. Well, like you, you can just, take a picture for me. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell nobody. No, we won't. They don't allow electronics in the entire state. You have to leave oh, it at so the airport. Oh, you're so full of it. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, was go- I was there for a it's second. A dead I zone. thought you meant it's a dead where zone. you're going. No, okay. it, it, no, no. It, 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 you don't even, they don't even have landlines up there. If you need to tell your neighbor something, you just shoot your shotgun in the air like three <laughs> times. They're like, oh, <laughs> 
They're, the dinner's almost ready. <laughs> Three <Right>. shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how we oh, communicate. There's a fourth. No, that, there's a fourth. That means it's another hour. Okay, all good. All good. Dinner's running late. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, we, like I said, we have a great show coming up later. I, uh, Crowder is joining us. I was going to like say who he is. Everybody knows Crowder. Like Crowder, Crowder's, you know, one of the biggest uh, worship Crowder's artists. Crowder, yeah. Crowder's Crowder. He doesn't even need Crowder a first name. Crowder. You, you know what name. I mean? It's like Cher. He dropped that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he dropped that in it, that first name. Also, for our quarter life conversation, uh, pastor and author, Dr. Darius Daniels, good friend, uh, joins us. Uh, he brings us some tips about dating well and also breaking mm. up well. Ooh. Breaking up well. Did he bring mm. up Dominion Dating? <laughs> I just have to stay <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, I saw some marketing materials. No, but they brought they us some. Right. I saw some marketing te- materials, and they were very, very excited to have your implied endorsement. I saw that. Dating platform. I don't know if you all know, a few weeks ago, we got into it about this Dominion Dating website. It's it's uh, uh, problematic. Uh, to say the least. Thesis of, of, of men who are looking for women that they can have dominion over. So they just stay in the home and all that kind of stuff. It's a dating site for that. And after we kind of went in on them for the whole podcast, they uh, heard it. And uh, as we kind of were aware that they, they were kind of sniffing around the internet for people saying stuff about them. And under their endorsements page, they pulled out of context quotes from the show. And Jamie Ivy says, I did a deep dive on Dominion dating. And like Jamie Ivy is like on their endorsements page. So it really looks like she's okay with it. I love it. I it was love crazy. It. I was like, what? <laughs> I guess, you know. But why did they pick Jamie, though? Because we all kind of dog pile She's a woman. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm she's a it. woman, they and it. she did a deep dive. Like She's excited about it. I mean, yeah. that's all they it, need is to imply that women are excited about this. No, but, it, but And I know they're trying to be cheeky, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I don't like totally fault them. But Jamie, look, you're a, a, a very well-known author. You're a speaker. Your name <laughs> carries cachet. Uh-huh. And they, yeah, you know, even just as a joke, putting putting it on there, were you kind of like, okay, okay, Where's let's not do that? Or or, or were you like, touche? It made me laugh. Dating. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. This is funny, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I- it's funny. Did it bother it, you, It Cameron? is funny, though. Like, it's hilarious. No, it didn't bother me. I thought it would bother you. There's one that says relevant podcast, yeah, but I it think. Was a, who knows who that is? Like, oh. I mean, that's just somebody on the show said something, and it, and it wasn't even that exciting. Yours was, like, big and bold. Like, Jamie Ivey yeah. is, is excited about it, this every, website. Every person they had a quote from, I've heard them publicly, like, diss them. And so, right. to me, there's part of this, like, okay, these guys are funny. Like, okay, I yeah. see what you're doing here. All right. this, uh, Okay, whatever. Yeah. I, you look, if anybody loves a good troll, it's me. I thought it was a man. <laughs> but I didn't even think like, oh, I'm going to call him and tell him to take it down. I don't know. Yeah, it's like I disagree with the entire construct of their platform. But game respects game when it goes to trolling. <laughs> yeah, so well go. done. Yes. Dominion dating. We'll Absolutely. Give it to you. Dominion dating. Absolutely. They, yeah, they got it. Jesse, they got it. They, they, if they're hearing this right now, you just said that full sentence. What they would quote is, Game respects game, Jesse Carey. There you, go. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, Jesse, you ready for your next endorsement, bro? Yeah. You gotta be careful how you put words together when people are gonna selectively excerpt, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
All right, well, we got slices, relevant recommends, and at the end of the show, the miraculous return, the majestic return of what's Jesse thinking. All right, but stay tuned up next. It's relevant news. You're listening to Jelani Aria. The song is From These Heights. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Please welcome to the show, Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee, who's uh, over there covering the intersection of faith and culture at Relevant. Hey, man. Hey, everybody. What is going on this week? Well, lots of things are going on, but we, uh, <laughs> I, Cameron, you and I were kind of talking about this, and uh, it seems like we've done a pretty good job of covering the intersection of faith, uh, but we have ignored, to the detriment of our readers, uh, the the culture side of the equation a lot lately. So we need to talk about a little bit of culture news, uh, which there is a lot of, actually. And we're going to talk about a couple of new music releases that I think are, if they're not on your radar, they should be, and uh, and provide the, the relevant insights into how we're feeling about some of these releases and the first one that we want to talk about is one that i'm sure most people are already familiar with and that is the release last week of sour from olivia rodrigo which is probably i would say her rise the the speed of her going from from nobody to one of the biggest pop stars in the world is fairly unprecedented she came out of nowhere with driver's license and uh and then i I think the whole world knew who she was maybe three or four days later it felt like so it's it's been pretty wild now we've got the actual album sour uh cameron you and i were discussing it yesterday a little bit and and you had some of your own thought we i'd say we went back and i think we got into it a little bit well, it's just, I mean, I mean, we'll play a clip here in a second. I, my, my thing was just like, you know, obviously she played SNL last week and, you know, you know, driver's license. It's just a lot of heartbreak, kind of Taylor Swifty kind of stuff. I'm kind of going, I don't get the big deal. We've been here, done this kind of thing. She writes her own music. It just feels very, I've, I've, I've seen this before. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it that it's good and a lot of people connect with it, but, I, you know, whatever. But I think what we were talking about is kind of like, relevance take on it like because we look always look for the more redemptive substantive spiritual kind of side of what's happening in culture and to me it just seemed like teen pop music kind of an inch deep i don't get what there is to talk about about it you know what i mean i get that Mm -hmm. it's big but i don't get like what's the deeper conversation so that was where you guys had some pretty strong thoughts about it though you and you and emily (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, our, our, our new uh, our new associate editor, editor Emily, uh, did write a little bit of take on it. You can go check out at relevantmagazine.com. But I can uh, I say this, it, Tyler? 
Yes, go ahead. Listen, the song Driver's yeah. License, as a 43-year-old mm-hmm. woman, I love mm-hmm. that song so much <laughs> because I feel like when I listen to that song, I literally feel like I'm in 16 and getting my heart broken. Why do I want to feel that way? I have no idea. I don't actually want to feel that way. But to me, it is like, this is the best teenage song I've ever heard because it's not even like sexualized. It's literally just her like, wait, I thought we were going to be together forever and you broke my heart. Y'all. I am here for that song, and I have not heard this new song, so there's that. But I'm going to go ahead and throw all my cards on the table. That thing of you said I was the one, but now I'm not, and whatever is all the songs that I've heard. I haven't heard all all the entire album, but I've heard a big chunk of all of her album. Uh-huh. Okay, maybe well, the girls have a, a It's a year. through line. It's a, well, it was her muse, let's say, for the album. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but okay, but okay. Here, Tyler, I'm interested on in your you, Tyler. I feel like you and I have uh, a, a similar appreciation for a bygone era of music that I think in the Jimmy world era for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where, where I feel like she is the ultimately ultimate example of, you know, that genre making a comeback, right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, sort of this, a lot of her music would be almost indistinguishable of stuff that was coming out in the early two thousands when, you know, bands like Jimmy world or Copeland or or kind of matching these very, very much hard on your, yeah, very much like hard on your sleeve confessional, I think that's to me the more like interesting a, part like, is like a it, dashboard confessional, like when she's I driving. Like, <laughs> like a dashboard confessional, per, per, precisely. But but what's interesting is you know it's not just her. I mean, this is the you know bands are sort of making a yeah. comeback. You know, there's a band Dogleg that's really cool that is basically sounds like a tooth and nail band, but they're you know kind of um, you know a fresh take on that sort of frenetic combination of like indie rock and pop punk and i think it's cool I, I i'm glad that it's that whole genre sort of being rediscovered let's play a clip so people can sure hear. sure this is good for you Jimmy World. And, so two things. Yeah. So two things about this that I think that I think are worth noting. The first one is, and I think I've I've uh, I think I've beat this drum on relevant before, but I'll do it again. I've said if you want to know the future of pop culture, you got to follow the Teen Girls because the Teen Girls are the first. Teen Girls are the first to the Beatles, first to the Rolling Stones, first to Destiny's Child, first to NSYNC. Derek teen Girls Minor. know where 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 music <laughs> is going, and uh, and so I think that and it also it always starts like this, right? You find a uh, somebody like a Taylor Swift, like a, a Billie Eilish more recently, or a Lord mm-hmm. who has the raw talent to talk about what teen girls are going through in this case. And, and the Sour is absolutely a, a heartbreak anthem. It's very much about one specific breakup, uh, which kind of gets on that. If you want, you can read more about that in the Tiger Beat. That's not really the relevant lane, but, <laughs> but that's a, but it starts there. And somebody who has the ability to navigate those teenage hormones and emotions grows and develops over time with her, with her young fans. And now we're in the era where Taylor Swift is talking about much more mature adult topics. Yeah. And I would yeah. not be surprised at all if 10 years from now, people are having that conversation about a 
Olivia Rodrigo's new turn towards Grammy winning songwriting situation. How old is she? She's 16. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She just got her driver's license. The song was literally and now her boyfriend broke up with her. (laughs) Derek, you're an artist. What do you think? He's just in there like <laughs> glazed have over. Nothing to say about sixteen-year-old Olivia. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, we we out of my. Um, I have zero in common with Olivia. <laughs> you heard the song "Driver's License"? Never heard it. The bridge Never is that the bridge, the up. part where it just is so good. Nah, y'all you, you, you ain't got to cue it up. It's, <laughs> it's cool. Cameron, those lyrics, those lyrics, they get to my heart. I feel her poor, broken heart. <laughs> Of all of her dreams that she had as a 16-year-old girl are just shattered. I mean, I am just broken. Dude, and I ride for this genre, man. I, I should, think she's I awesome. should note that I think that there is something that I, that shows a l- little bit of wisdom beyond her years. And this is the way she also interrogates her own insecurity, the way she had tied her self-worth to this guy and how that fell apart when he left and what that says about where she's at. And that's something that at least when I was 16 and I was getting dumped, I did not have the wherewithal to explore in myself. Tyler, you're homeschooled. You were allowed to date at 16? I'm surprised by that. We, this is sort of a, I, I hope that I hope that this isn't one of those episodes my parents are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else is coming out? So we got Olivia Rodriguez. So we, we, gotta, yeah, we got Olivia. Last- we, got, we got Olivia. Last week we also had another. We had it was just a song. This isn't the full album, but we just we had a song that when I first heard this was happening, I thought it was very very interesting and almost couldn't believe that it happened until it did. Y'all know, y'all know. We've talked about Space Jam too, and y'all know yeah. my skepticism that this is this can't be good. And when I heard that these two artists were about to come out with something. I thought, Oh no, this is going to be like, they're trying to do, I believe I can fly inspirational. They can't, they can't recapture it. And then go ahead, Tyler. Then it dropped. So, so we have, we have a new joint from Lil baby and Kirk King, Kirk Franklin. Uh We win from the space, from the upcoming space jam, a new legacy soundtrack. And I don't think I'm overselling it when I say, it's the best song of the decade, possibly of our entire lives. I've, I've really, really, li- I really love the song. Just hit it. Just press play. R- relax, press Tyler. Play. Relax. It's my dog. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yes. Kirk has been psyching me up to face the day most of my life. I need Just Blaze. I need that every morning. Just Blaze, thank every you. Every morning. Just Blaze. I need I need another 10-year run out of Just Blaze. Like Just For Blaze real. changed hip-hop in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Just Blaze changed hip-hop in a way that I really, really hope that this is just the beginning and not just the, okay, guys, I'm going to drop you this massive record and then come back. Like, we, I need more Just Blaze beats. We need tell, that. Tell, that tell context. Sure. Like, so what are some of the songs that Just Blaze did that if people don't know, like some of the hits? Uh, I mean, Just Blaze did a lot of Jay-Z stuff uh, early on. He's done Fabulous is Breathe. Uh, did a lot of, like, most of the Rockefeller era, 
that's just Blade. So all of the until Kanye, like the Jay Z, Beanie Siegel, until Kanye came in. So that, like, he is a legendary producer, very slept on. Definitely, he is the he would be considered, in my opinion, would be the the Pete Rock of our generation. There you go. Like the the sample sample master takes samples and flips them in ways that no one ever thought to do it. So he's up there with, in my opinion, he's up there with, with Jay Dilla and, 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 and Pete Rock. Wow. So, legendary. No, producer. I like that song. So, so what, what surprised me yeah. was Lil Baby being on the track, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> no, they shouldn't have though. Why? <laughs> Tell me. Lil Baby can rap, man. People sleep on Lil Baby because a lot of his stuff is the the trap stuff. But if you go into his B-list, like his B-side records, like the records that aren't on the top Spotify records, that dude can rap and he has some depth. And that's since, like, I've been listening to him since, like, 2017. And he's always had something to say. Obviously, though, he's a kid, so he's maturing. You're getting to see that maturation, but now nah, little baby can rap, man. He's a, and he's a really, he is he a really rap. thoughtful guy. He's a, he's a smart guy. He's like yes. clearly thinking about these things at a deeper level than a lot of his peers are. What I was just surprised about is like just blaze is kind of like the previous generation. And then like Kirk Franklin's got kids in their mid twenties. So, I mean, it's like Kirk Franklin's the previous generation yep. and little babies this generation. So I, that's what I'm saying. It just seemed like an interesting pairing. Oh, like, okay. I wouldn't gotcha, have put yeah. those two together. A guy who's like in his upper fifties and a guy who's just coming up, you know. So it's it worked the way Just Blaze flipped the choir tone and like, uh-huh. woo, yeah. Uh, so what else? You had a third one, I think, right? Yeah, I did. Last one on the list, and this is this is a little bit out of left field. This is from more of the indie circuit. Uh, I want to talk about the latest tune from Lucy Dacus. Lucy is one third of Boy Genius, which is Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and her. And uh, she's Lucy is an interesting one. We've talked to her before on Relevant. It was a number of years ago. Her for her first album. This is a single from her third, and she's part of what I would call a recent small wave, but interesting wave of singing or songwriters who are sort of going through, they're sort of re-examining their childhoods in church and their memories, uh, at least some of the recent ones that I've come across and that we've covered on the site, aren't super positive. We uh, we had Semler on a couple weeks back here on the podcast. She was pretty open about the fact that she did not feel welcomed by her church and she still wants to be, still is a Christian, but, but has very, uh, I'd say, unfriendly memories of her time in youth group. Uh, Julian Baker on her most recent album talks a lot about her own story struggles with her faith, still a Christian, but wonders if there's really a place for her in church. And uh, that's true now of Lucy as well. So here, this is a song that she just released uh, last week, and it's called VBS. In the summer of 07, I was sure I'd go to heaven, but I was hedging my bets at VBS. T-shirt told me I could be a leader Taught me how to build a fire And to spread the word The song 
sort of as it goes on here, it tells the story of her meeting her first boyfriend at a church summer camp and trying to rescue him, trying to, to save his soul and her single-minded devotion towards fixing his spiritual life blinded her to the tragedies that he was going through in his own life at home. And she realized she was so focused on trying to save his soul. She didn't really know anything about the abusive situation he was facing at his house. And it has this mm. line, wow, that's I was deep. trying to show you the light, but it just made the darkness darker than before. Um, so a really, wow. it's a really, it's a, it's a really good song. She's a great, she's a wonderful lyricist. She did, uh, she released a full statement about the song that's over at relevantmagazine.com. And I think this is interesting as more uh, people who came up through the youth group era of church come of age. And some of the, some of the skeletons in the youth group closet are going to be hung out on, on albums, kind of like Olivia Rodrigo talking about her bad boyfriend, bad churches and bad pastors are also going to end up on, uh, on blast here. And, and uh, Emily pointed out, she said yesterday, this isn't really good. This probably won't be played from a church Sunday morning stage anytime soon, but maybe it should be. Maybe there's the sorts of things that we need to be playing more of in church to, to learn, figure out where things have gone wrong. And uh, the first step towards fixing a problem is acknowledging that there is one. All right. I got a question. So it seems like you're like the, like most of the people on this call are kind of around the same age, kind of the same upbringing it seems like there's a full on revolt against that youth group era. Like it seems like there's a lot of, cause like I know a lot of people that I used to even tour with that they have blogs talking about their deconstructing and a lot of like, there's a lot, is this a, is this cyclical as well? Hmm. Like were, hmm. were your parents, did they go, was this a phase? Is this a phase or is this a thing? Like, is this like a, good question. a transition? I, I think it's sort of, I, I think that's one, that's a really interesting observation, but I kind of think it's a both and, because like, okay. I mean, it wasn't, I remember how long ago was the movie saved with uh, Mandy Moore and Macaulay Culkin. That was like sort of 2000s. Oh, yeah, one but, but, or two, somewhere in there. Yeah. But it was, it was basically sort of Mandy Moore's reckoning with, um, uh, you know, kind of growing up in the church and it was a similar, it, that was a satirical movie, but the, the impetus of it was the same, which was to kind of call out the uh, kind of flaws in, you know, kind of church culture. But I, I think to your point, Derek, I think especially in the American church, it does seem to be cyclical to a degree, but I feel like each cycle is a little bit different. Like, you know, you kind of came out of, um, you know, if you go back to like the time of like the moral major majority and, uh, you know, then it, it kind of spun off to, you know, people who who were kind of disenfranchised by this very sort of uh, puritanical approach to faith. You know, I think that kind of spun off to the kind of charismatic -y thing where it was a little fast and loose and a little irreverent. And then, you know, I mean, look, there was a lot of these type of things that happen. But I think that I think it happens a lot in the church. I think people grew up in a certain types of church when they get old enough to really have the language to reflect articulately on what that experience was and are able to kind of think about it objectively they find the flaws in it, whether those flaws were, uh, you know, kind of structural or institutional or what was not being taught or kind of just the, the general approach to the gospel. 
you know, it spins something new off. I, I don't think I don't think it's a cycle that's in is ever going to end because it's ultimately imperfect people trying to wrap, you know, trying to relate to what we believe is perfection, which is God and the gospel. Mm. I think there's always going to be issues. And I think it's good mm-hmm. they get called mm-hmm. out. I, I think sure. we, we shouldn't have any hesitation to that. But I don't think I think it's just, uh, you know, part of the issues of being in part of a world where, you know, the church is, you know, surrounded by imperfection. But like I said, it's it's how how can we properly engage with a message that is perfect? I think there's always going to be issues, but I do think it's good that people are able to be honest about it, you know. Yeah, it's not we've seen this. It's been, you know, a lot of different uh, names and trends over the 21 years we've been doing relevant. And, 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 and like Jesse said, I just think it's a coming of age thing that, that every kind of generation goes through and, and we learn. And, and the question is, can you go through that process without hardening your heart? Can you chew the meat and spit out the Mm. bones? You know, like we, we still love Jesus. Uh, we love the church, the big C church, we're pro church, but we aren't going to blindly say, well, it's, the man-made institution in America is perfect. We need to continually be striving for, (laughs) you know, change and be the change you want to see and all that. So like, for me, it's an optimistic opportunity to have a deeper faith, a more substantive faith, a more eyes open faith and not just kind of like, you know, you're thinking for yourself. That's a good thing ultimately. And, you know, some people get so jaded that they walk away and that's going to happen. But some people go, you know what? I was hurt by this and I don't want that to happen after me. And I'm going to go back into the church. I'm going to serve and I'm going to be part of the, you know, a new direction, you know? And I think that's an opportunity Mm -hmm. as well. So I think about it sometimes with parenting because here, follow me for just a second. Like I have amazing parents, but still there are some things that I have to work through because of my parents. Right. And my kids, like I feel like I'm doing the best with what I can but I would bet all the money I'll ever make in my life. They will sit in the counselor's office one day and be like, I remember yeah. what my mom did and I'm still dealing with but this. But you know what? You're a better mom yeah. than your mom was. That's exactly And, that's, gonna, that's and your daughters point, will be is, a better mom yeah. than you are. And I think yeah, we're learning okay. and it's good. I want my kids to come to me when they're 25 and say, I still mm. remember this and it hurt me. And I'll be like, I hate that. I am so sorry. I would never have meant, you know, like, so I yeah. think of that of like, we're broken people doing the best that we can with what we have. And sometimes that happens in the church as well. And it's sad and it's not mm-hmm. right. And I agree. You call it out, you repent, you move forward. Um, that's what I think about yeah. it. That's actually beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. So at the end of the day, at the end of that song, uh, what you don't know after she leaves VBS, she drives her car by her boyfriend's house and mm-hmm. And it's sad that summer camp romance is real as well. So she was tapping oh, into church, some feelings church as camp well. Romance is a special thing. You know, church camp romance is its own. It's very strange. <laughs> Did you notice though? Did you notice that she said they teach you how to build a, a fire and then spread the gospel? I was like, that's our Wyoming trips. We're going to teach Dale how to build a yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one observation about church camp romances. You go through the entire cycle of like a bad marriage in one camp, like <laughs> over infatuation, like, like just going all in, yeah. like they, you know, you got you, you guys jealousy you, fighting. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, first they, then you isolate, like, you isolate all days. your other friends. Yeah. yeah, you isolate all your other friends, and then all of a sudden you're just sick of each other, and you know you just have a nasty breakup. It yep. is the, it is the movie Marriage Story over oh. the course of of a long weekend at the Triple R Ranch. I hate that movie so much. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're like by Thursday they're bickering and they're just like that's <laughs> yeah. not gonna last man that's, I think it's time for you guys to break up call it off especially since one of you's going back to Denver and the other one's going yeah, back to exactly. Dallas yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad that you held her hand I'm mad that you prayed with her and it's like oh, 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 this is too much pain <laughs> <laughs> it's like that over there huh? okay a marriage yeah, that, story jesse Church was talking camp. from the heart he went through that when he was in seventh yeah. grade yeah, I, could, I, I, was, I was a heartbreaker at camp i didn't get involved i didn't get involved in in you know uh i, I was i recognized the pattern i had too many buddies going through that cycle okay i didn't have time for that i had mischief to get into you know? <laughs> all right well there's a lot more that we're covering over at relevantmagazine.com follow us on all the socials for the latest uh thanks tyler thanks everybody all right stay tuned up next crowder joins us Brutal out of here. I feel like no one wants me, and I hate the way I'm pursued. You're listening to Olivia Rodrigo. The song is brutal. Look how timely that is. Well, our guest today needs no introduction. He's a Grammy-nominated worship artist. He's the author of numerous worship staples like I Am and Come As You Are. His most recent single, Good God Almighty, hit number one on Billboard's Christian Charts. And his new single, Anchor, comes out today, ahead of next week's release of his new album, Milk and Honey. We sat down to talk to David Crowder about how he's continuing to chart new paths for singing to God. And how his idea of what worship looks like has evolved over the years. Here is part of our conversation with Crowder. I've been excited about this, and I think it's because it's been really interesting for me as somebody who's been listening to you for a long time. I feel like I grew up with your music in a lot of ways. Um, to to sort of chart how your own sound and how your 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 both lyrically and musically sort of the the growth and cha- evolution that you've had as an artist, and I'm wondering how you feel like you write music lyrically and and sonically different now than you did when you were younger and when you were to start out. What I've hoped to have done or tried to do is build on whatever skill set there was, you know, like. Um, Early on, I would say we pressed record and had no business doing so. Like, it's like, maybe go work on your skills before doing a recording. In fact, the first album that we ever, or the thing that we, we, had, we had done a live recording at our church. Um, it was like just a just hit record on a Sunday morning. But we had like a, it was like legit recording truck in the back. It was like professionally done. And um Man, it took me like two or three years to find every one of those CDs and throw them away. (laughs) I would go over to friends' houses and and just steal them off of their CD. Are you you serious? Absolutely. No one knows knows about that because we had no business. So my point is I've been trying to build on. It's a learning process. And so I hope I've been learning along the way. (laughs) 
solo endeavor with Crowder, the first one was Neon Steeple and the last one was I Know a Ghost. I Know a Ghost was pretty experimental for me as a creative uh, uh, or somebody making music. I, I wrote it all based on hip hop tracks. I just got people to send me hip hop tracks and then tried to write on top of them to see if it was possible. Um, and and it was, I felt like I had a great time doing it and I thought this is super fun. I'm a little more into R&B now than I was then. Uh, so it's like, it's got a little more R&B urban stuff to it and very choral. And what if we used everything I've learned so far and just tried to refine it. So I think that's part of was the editorial process as well, trying to make a more refined album that was uh, helping me grow uh, as a maker of the musics. Um, and then we'll get a little more crazy as we go for the next couple of records. As somebody who's uh, who is still, for a lot of people, very associated with church music, do you when you're working on this stuff, and especially when you get sort of get more experimental, is it ever into your mind like uh, they're not playing this one on Sunday morning? Like, is that a consideration you have to bring into to the songwriting process? What happens in a lot of writing sessions is I'll come in and the, and the writers who write all the time for and write you know all the songs that you know my church is singing that you mm -hmm. see on the you know. Uh, digital performer charts in the CCLI church, like they're writing all the songs that the churches are singing. And I'm like, Hey, I want to write with them because they write the church songs. And then I'll come in and they're like, Oh, thank God Crowder's here. We can, we can throw all the stuff that we, we think is too weird. At oh, him. Interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're never going to sing this at church. And they're like, I know, but you do those songs and nobody sings in church. I'm like, <laughs> but I, but I go to church. I want to sing my songs in church. And so it's been funny. I think I've carved out a spot where I've always viewed my role in a very utilitarian way. Like, I don't feel like, hey, I just want to write some crazy songs and get it out of my system. It feels like I'm <laughs> I'm pretty purposeful in what I'm trying to do. I want to say things in a different way at times. I also want to say things in a very universal way at times. And I would dare say I, I more often want and wish I were writing in a more universal way, but I'm made in the way I am. And so oftentimes it hits a little off center. So when you thematically, when you look back over this album over Milk and Honey, what do you feel? I know you don't, this isn't, it's my knowledge, it's not really a concept album, but is there a thematic like unifying, like this is the idea that this is the box that this one is in? Man, I think I'm, I'm pretty redundant overall for all of my writing. It's all usually has to do with a couple of themes. It's like theme is we're humans and we're very different than our maker. <laughs> like there's a great distance between yeah, the yeah. divine and, and his creation. There's a vast divide there. I sing about that a lot. And I also sing about um, the, the largeness of grace, the, the redemptiveness that like the grace is so it's too superfluous. It's too much. You know, it, I mm -hmm. think I sing about that a lot that there, that I know I feel and most of the people that I have gotten to know well in my journey um, with Jesus is, is we all feel like we're, you know, there's that voice that says you're less than you're not good enough. It's like what you've done renders you be beyond redemption. 
And mm-hmm. the thing that I want to sing over and over is that, no, that's not true. That voice is a lie. That's a lie. And there is this grace that's superfluous. It's, it's more, it's exaggerated and luxurious and it's beyond and you didn't do anything for it and you haven't gone too far and there's forgiveness. And I think that, that theme is, is to me promise and promised land. And it's the land that's full of every good thing. You know, I know, mm-hmm. I know that the Canaan thing is a, is the analogy there for the milk and honey. But I think when you know that you're seen and known, that's the promise that we're singing about. If you're wandering in the darkness, come to Jesus and find your way. If you want freedom, need forgiveness, just come to Jesus. That was Crowder. Milk and Honey. Will release next week. Check it out. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's slices. You're listening to Bleachers. The song is Stop Making This Hurt. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so I have two, but they are, they're related. Um, it's a twofer. That's right, people. <laughs> Backed by popular demand. Uh, I got some updates from uh, everybody's favorite website, which is, I'm assuming, everyone just loves Facebook these days. Okay. I, I know it's the, the hot... Uh, uh, social media platform that uh, all the kids are using to share their <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo songs. Um, uh, no, but <laughs> I, Facebook is trying to find its way out of its, you know, kind of new reputation. Like I saw somebody, I saw a great tweet or so. I can't remember where I saw it somewhere on the internet. They were like, boomers officially ruined Facebook. Like, you know, Facebook is now just like a lot of people in our parents' generation posting misinformation about mass guidelines and just ranting (laughs) about, you know, federal policy that has no impact on their life. Like that is 90% of Facebook right now. Like people really upset about this gas pipeline hike. And I told you if you voted the way you did they'd hack our gas pipeline like that is most like just completely irrational ranting about contemporary issues is most of facebook right now right well facebook wants to do something about that so they have uh they're launching a new feature um they're testing it right now to see if it'll kind of go into production but you can label a post as a prayer post now uh, if you if you do this, people will have a button that they can respond that says like I'm praying for you, or they can post their response uh, in to uh, uh, you know in the comment field. But it'll all be kind of the idea is that it's it's a designated place where you can ask for prayer. So hopefully the conversations don't devolve into just uh, uh, pure anarchist boomer hell as many of those do. Now, the one thing <laughs> I will caution... This is how it's going to go, though, Jesse. It's going to be like, I'd like to pray for my sister-in-law, Mary, the gossip who prayer. voted the gossip for prayer. Biden. And now look at us. We don't have any gifts. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Pray. 
please pray yeah, for please Mary. Pray that God, that God will forgive her of yes. her mistake. Yes, and that He will change her heart. <laughs> he will lift His judgment on her and this nation and this nation. For, <laughs> yeah, for what's going on with this pipeline. That's where um, I see this going. I, it, it probably will, but uh, to the credit of uh, of Facebook, the head of Global Faith Partnerships issued a, a statement to Religion News Service and said, "Our mission to give people the power to build community extends to the world's largest community, the faith community." I think, as much as anything, as they're sort of, I, I don't. You know, Facebook is a business, and I think they've recognized they better start diversifying the functionality of their platform and targeting, you know, some niche groups with features that will make them feel served, or else it will continue its downward spiral into the worst and most unintentionally hilarious well, place on the internet. We but say downward of, spiral because I can't, I can't think of the last time I logged into Facebook, honestly. And, and, and I don't ever but, go to Facebook. But they, uh, they posted record profits last quarter. I mean, like their, 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 their growth is still continuing even though a generation has left because the old people are so active they're like i don't know i don't think that they care that much uh, they don't see it as a loss honestly but what well, well eventually well, they the, will. The, yeah the, and and two they, they have to start diversifying now because uh you know Apple's iOS is specifically targeting Facebook, uh, their their entire business model, allowing people to easily opt out of of you know tracking, which yeah. is the main way that Facebook makes revenue. Is and they Google. allow, yeah, yeah it, it's it's that you know for Facebook in particular, you know small businesses rely on their targeting abilities to convert online sales, and uh, if if that fun- basic functionality goes away, then n- there's no incentive for advertisers to use Facebook over any other media. And so I think Facebook sees kind of the writing on the wall here, and I think the prayer feature is an interesting idea. But I want to talk about one other quick Facebook story. But do you uh, want Facebook's is- algorithm watching your prayer, their deepest prayer requests and then monetizing it? You know what I mean? Like, I, that feel <laughs> icky to me. Like... Like but my some son's people, in the I think hospital. They really find their like, community. Like I think for some people, they would really say that's their community. And I mean, yeah, there's a whole I other agree. conversation of if that Thanks. should be your community where you're going for prayer. But yeah, but 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 doing it on a commercial platform where it like is known to read the words and then monetize it in weird ways. Like, why would I put my most vulnerable prayers? on it you know what i mean i just feel i would about think that. that the most people who are indulging in facebook aren't having the thought to go oh my gosh they're reading everything and then they're mon- they're just like this is where at i all. get my new- this is where i get True. my news you True know this all. is yeah, where i right. find out what's happening in my neighborhood i done heard that's some true. of the most ratchet stuff on facebook you're just <laughs> like dang you're gonna just you're gonna say that like you're gonna yeah say that? <laughs> Yeah, like when you yeah. die, this will live on. <laughs> this, this is, is how long. Your generations yeah. will remember you. <laughs> right. Your ancestry.com yeah. is going to have transcripts like for the right. future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your incoherent rant about, uh, uh, you know, how ma- a mask policy is a- a- affecting unemployment benefits right. will live on in perpetuity. And it's yeah. going to look just as ridiculous then as it does now. But yeah. one other piece of Facebook news um do you guys remember the viral photo from a while ago where Mark Zuckerberg was on this futuristic surfboard thing on vacation? Right. And he's on this remote control surfboard. Some weird yeah. Facebook. Do Mark, you know, Mark Zuckerberg remote surfboard, whatever, and see yeah. the photo. Because the thing that stood out about the photo wasn't the crazy surfboard. 
Yeah, it was it was Mark Mark Zuckerberg. Look, he's looking back at the camera. Yeah, right? I got like, it. You know, like like from a famous Yo, Bigfoot that photo. Man look like a mime. <laughs> and and oh my his gosh. face is caked. It is it is. What is it's that? It's as if someone had like white face paint and painted it. But it's it is sunscreen. a. It's at least an entire bottle of copper tone on his face. <laughs> Remember that bullfrog sunscreen that you just put on your nose? Yeah. That's what it looks like. So, so Mark Zuckerberg, the oh, you know one of the, Clown the richest, weirdest guy in the in the in the world, you know, was photographed with you know this white face paint on. Anyway, he was doing an interview recently with a tech outlet, and good for this interviewer, by the way. Good to have the gumption to be talking to one of the world's most powerful people and be like, "Hey, man, why do you wear so much sunscreen on your face?" Because <laughs> oh, no. that's what the interviewer asked him. Zuckerberg gave a shocking answer to me. Do you guys know why he did? I mean, look, his complexion is pretty light. Is that what he's thinking? Well, here's the explanation. Essentially, he didn't say in these words, but this is the word I'm saying. He doubt fired himself. He saw the Pavarotti. He saw photographers in boats and he didn't want to be recognized. So he thought, if I cake my face with a layer of white sunscreen, oh, I could be anyone on. out here. Just like the scene in Mrs. Doubtfire, where Robin Williams hasn't had a chance to put on the Miss Doubtfire makeup. But thankfully, he's hilariously making like a lemon meringue pie and he could just look down at the pie, scene. shove the whipped cream all over her face and go, oh, hello. <laughs> that was what Mark Zuckerberg did. He saw photographers like on jet skis. He's like, give me the sunscreen. And he just like caked it on and he looked at the photographers. He's like, oh, hello, it's just me. You know, <laughs> it was a grip. I get it, man. Look. Poor guy. <laughs> That's funny. You look like the Joker on a day off. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's like, and that's so sad, though. That man is really was like, man, I just want to enjoy surfing yeah. by myself. And then it comes I don't want to be bothered. Like this. <laughs> and it's worst case scenario, because if it was just him surfing and they right. snapped a couple of pictures, those probably wouldn't even make it on the Internet. The fire would be like, ah, oh, we got nothing. It's just Mark Zuckerberg on a surfboard thing. He looks over at them and looking like some sort of nightmare mime. Of course, it's going to end up. You made it way worse, Mark Zuckerberg. Now, everyone talking about it you're in an interview almost a year later and people are asking you about it like you have a new product you want to roll out and policy you want to talk about they're like hey man why do you wear so much sunscreen all over your face you big weirdo like you made it worse don't doubt fire yourself okay hey, just it's a bad idea all right what do you have derek uh chick-fil-a is running out of sauce so, this is such sad news. What are we going to do? This is really sad. They haven't run I, out. They're just limiting it so they don't run out. Well, like, that's they what still I'm ask like, you. I was there yesterday. But but I'm saying normally, bro, like I want, I might, if, if we get a 10 count nugget, bro, I want 10 sauces. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, so. That's a lot. Like, are you stashing some He's in your kitchen? Your... He's doubt firing his nuggets. He's I'm just full nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I will say, I always try to get extra because then we save them, you know? So that's why Come they're doing on, this, man. I guess. How many times now? Now this rarely happens, but how many times have you got home? You got your Chick Fil A. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm a, I'm privy to the nuggets. You get home and you like, dang, I ran out of sauce. But you yep. remember it that yep. they gave you that extra one last time. You went in yep. the refrigerator, pull that joint out the refrigerator, and then boom, you back to bliss. But well, we can't do that no more because they, you know, they struggling with the sauce. You know what I mean? You gotta have the sauce. You feel me? You got. Did that. I see they're selling their sauce, sauce in grocery stores? 
They are. Walmart, Kroger, all over the country. You can wow. get the big old jug of all their out. sauces. They need to just keep them. You know, D- Derek, what's interesting, you know, you said you go for the tent sauces. So you basically every time you get nuggets, it's your own tour of Italy situation. Like, <laughs> a little sample it off. Tour of Italy, ladies Bam, and gentlemen. We're going to put a little Polynesian. Bam, a little buffalo. You know what I'm saying? That's what we doing. We we doing a tour of Italy with the, with the, with the sauces, man. I love, I love Chick-fil-A sauce, man. I, I, only use, man. I only use one of their sauces, and that's the Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't have... I don't have the taste buds for any of the oh, others. Oh, you got to expand your horizons. Like, I'm telling you, you want to know the cheat code, the Chick-fil-A mm. sauce with the nuggets, and then the honey mustard sauce with the fries. Oh. Game oh. changer. No, don't, don't. You don't need no ketchup. Ketchup so bland. On the honey mustard, on the fries. Thank me. Thank me later. You feel me? Can I give like, you a tip, Derek? Please. So when I get I, the nuggets, I, I ask for okay. a side of pickles. And I put two pickles on the side of the nugget and then dip it in the Chick-fil-A sauce. It's like a pickle sandwich. But I love wow. pickles okay. and nuggets. So they that's my tip. Next okay, all right. Well, don't they so don't they brine it in like pickle juice or whatever, like the, the nugget or the chicken? I don't know, but that's why I heard some good. sort of thing. It's, it, I, I like know. the texture aspect of that, Jamie. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds now, great. Derek, it sounds amazing. Derek, Derek, being a, a tin sauce kind of guy at Chick-fil-A, yes, sir. When, you, when you're at Subway, you you tell them to run it through the garden. Just <laughs> Oh yeah. Run it through the whole garden, man. I'll see you at the see you at the register. Cause look, cause they ain't gonna put up, they ain't gonna put up about two and a half slices of meat on there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So saying. you gonna have to go ahead. Two runs, the whole garden, up and back, up and back. <laughs> <laughs> very clear. My instructions are very the, clear. Yeah, it, if, if, I don't care what it is. I mean, bell pepper. I want the, the whole deal. Listen, I'll eat an know. open face if I have to. If you can't get it closed, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, like I'll, give me a fork and knife for a salad bowl. Okay. Same thing I with Slim Huskies in Nashville. Slim Huskies is like a uh, make your own pizza. Oh, I'm running, I'm running it up. By the time that pizza come to me, that joint is like folded like this way. <laughs> like it's 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 a it's, it's going down. I'm getting my money's worth, and they don't charge you for the extra toppings. I don't even eat pineapple on pizza like that. But I'm like, hey, but you want throw some pineapple on there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just because I see it's it right available. in front of me, throw some pineapple on there. You know, it, it, oh it's God. like back in the day before That's before funny. like Chipotle was the the you know massive global operation that it was when you know it, it wasn't like rare to find a Chipotle but they weren't it wasn't like yeah, it was it's now up and coming. they're very yeah, strict yeah. Yeah. yeah when one came to your city it was like oh there's a Chipotle yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I would get them to load that thing like when they're rolling my burrito it was like <laughs> you know those movies where somebody has like they're trying to defuse a bomb and they're like sweating and it's very delicate and they have the right wire my burritos. <laughs> Were so packed. They were, I mean, the tortilla was spreading dangerously thin. You could almost see through it. And they're rolling it so carefully because they don't want it to tear because they know if it tears. Again! New burrito! Again! A tearless one! I do the bowl when I go to Chipotle. So, you know, it's the same, but it's the same situation. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I'm going to get pretty much everything, you know, definitely going to get the fajita vegetables. Then we're going to mess around, get the queso on top of it with a little bit of the guac. Got to have a guac, even though they charge you a whole lot for a little bit of guac. Yeah, it's not $235 anymore. It's it's crossed $3 at this point. Yeah, Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just going up. They got to relax on this guac. (laughs) They got to relax. But there's an avocado shortage, and so, like, the prices are going up. They have to pass it on, on to us, you know? I, I, mean, I haven't been pleased with... Uh, Chipotle, I had a couple Uber Eats situation. One wasn't their problem, but one was Uber Eats' problem. It was dropping my pen 
three houses down. I had two times I had to go to my neighbor's house and retrieve my Chipotle, and they just thought they got a sweet free meal out of this deal. Like, <laughs> are you kidding? So they're like, they're like, how is this seventeen pounds? They're like, what is in this bag? This burrito is the size of a football. Who There's did a small this child thing? in this bag. So, so, this, so, what y'all are saying is Chick Fil A is having a national shortage of sauces because of y'all, like overindulging but, uh, the free policy. That's what you're saying. Let me tell saying. you. Let me tell you how I'm gonna beat the system, guys. My 16 year old okay. just got a job at Chick Fil A. I'm gonna tell mm. him, dude, if you need me to pick you up or you need, some, I need you to put some sauces in your pocket. Bring Mama some That's sauces. Right. Oh, he's stealing. And I'm you're telling your child to steal. Wait, hold on. Your family is embezzling. Wait, wait, hold on. The Ivy family is embezzling sauces right now. This is salsa or sauce embezzlement. This is sauce gate. This is sauce. He's going to get fired because mom told him to. Like, hey, man, why you, get, hey, why you get fired on your day off, man? I, we found out I was stealing sauces for my mama. <laughs> okay, now that, y'all, now that y'all say it like that, it does seem a little rough, but... You better watch them Ivies, boy. They run off with all your sauces in the house. A member boy. of the Ivy family has is in, involved in a very elaborate embezzlement scheme. But this hey, is... The Ivy crime family. Hey, the rarity is going to make the value go up. So she's she's hoarding something that will become more and more valuable the more she hoards. So, you know, there you go, guys. She she knows it's the next scam. It's like Bitcoin. She knows. All <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Jamie, Bitcoin. What do you have, Jamie? <laughs> all right. I have some good news for all of our Alabama listeners. All right. This there is are the two good news. because the Internet's <laughs> really shaky in Alabama. <laughs> for the two guys oh, and girls that are listening for the first time in nearly three decades, Alabama will allow yoga to be taught in its public schools. Stop. Yes. Stop it. I'm moving to Alabama. Uh, but here's what you need to know. There, this is a this is a new bill that was just signed in on um, uh, Thursday, yesterday that we're recording this a week ago, overriding a 1993 ban on yoga instruction in public schools. Um, so now they can offer it for first grade to twelfth grade, but there are some stipulations. No one is allowed to say namaste. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, because when they when the teacher says go back to class, no child can say no. I'm going to stay. Oh, that's a good one, so, Kevin. No. So they're saying you got to go back to class. That's what they're saying. Namaste or any kind of chanting is, you know, it's like hypnosis. It's an Eastern philosophy meditation, and they're having none of that. So, so it's a stretching class. They're going to let the kids stretch is what you're saying. <laughs> I guess they're going to let them stretch. So this is a new thing is that now we can we can have yoga in Alabama, but in the schools, but you cannot say namaste or any kind of chanting to go along with it. But Alabama is bringing it back. I feel I feel like Alabama yoga is going to be its own kind of yoga. Yeah, You know, it's it's like Southern rock thing. is different than rock. I think Alabama yeah. yoga, it's not going to be the yoga I mean, that they do I in their life. Think- I just think this is like when what they say 30 years. So 1993 ban. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. growing up, I was told yoga is bad. Yoga is like the a, devil. Another, it's like a, a nod to a Middle Eastern religion or something. And so it was very scary to do yoga when I was growing up. And so this is where this well, came the from transcendental meditation side of it does have very strong. Eastern religion roots. I mean, that is true, but what's practiced at the hot yoga bar down two exactly. blocks down from your house ain't exactly a spiritual. I, know. You know. I mean, 
it's been a it's been a while since I've been in high school. I didn't even know this was something that was legislated at all. Like I didn't know schools were doing yoga. That's like yeah, that's I, crazy, dude. To if me. I was in high school and they were like, "Hey, man, you can take a yoga class." I'd be like, well, heck yeah, dude, I'll take anything that I don't have to sit there and learn stuff. Like, yoga's great, man. They good. I didn't even know that was a thing that was being debated about being taught in high school. I didn't have any cool classes I didn't either, like that. but I do remember feeling like this is the this is a really bad thing. And if you participate in this, you're basically like participating in Satan worship is what it felt like. Oh, it's like, it's like playing okay, with a Ouija okay, board. Okay. It's opening yeah, exactly. up your all spirits, the, It's all uh, in the same bucket. But 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 mm-hmm. a lot of that, like I've got to relitigate it just as like an adult, like of what people that, you know, no one I knew growing up, you know, had really any informed knowledge about Hinduism, about the the roots of uh, of of yoga or, you know, but they would tell me things that were like, well, listen, it's very dangerous to do meditation because if you clear everything out, you don't know what can get in. And oh, as like a, as like a thirteen year old, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that's that makes sense. And then as an adult, it's like uh, that makes zero sense at all. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> right. that if you empty your head, demons will just run in the empty space. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. is preposterous. And like, the whole it's it, there is grounded the, in the, nothing the but fear and, to meditate. and meditate. Yeah. We're to meditate on the on the on yeah. the law day and night. We're to meditate, and so it's just it is what it is. I thought it was funny that Alabama said, "Now we can do yoga, but you can't say Namaste." Well, that's Alabama yoga. I'm saying you brand you brand it Alabama yoga. It's its own thing. It's a, oh, it's a, like a variation it's, I, I of yoga. I think that's legendary. Let's do it, Alabama yoga. All right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Darius Daniels joins us for the quarter life conversation. Listening to One Republic. The song is Run. Uh, should I say ORU's own One Republic? They went to ORU. Well, for the last couple months, we've been doing a special content series called Quarter Life, specifically focused on the issues and topics that you tackle in your 20s. Everything from career to faith, relationships, mental health and wellness, and so much more. Uh, talking to well-known authors, entrepreneurs, faith leaders, and others. Uh, we're doing this to encourage and inspire you to make the most of this season of life. The series uh, has a new article every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com and a quarter life conversation with leaders and influencers here on the podcast. We're doing it for 12 weeks. We're kind of getting near the end of the series here. And it has been presented by UHSM uh, Healthcare Sharing. As you're rethinking everything in your 20s, you should rethink your healthcare as well. Go check out what UHSM is doing. It's awesome. It's revolutionary. Love it. Well, our quarter life conversation guest today is Dr. Darius Daniels, friend of the show. Uh, he is the founder and lead pastor of Change Church. He's the author of several books like Represent Jesus and Relational Intelligence. He understands people well. So we wanted his thoughts on dating in the modern age, both in terms of how to date well and how to break up well. Here's our quarter life conversation with Dr. Darius Daniels. When you look at the landscape of the sort of uh, 
uh, common mistakes you see young people making in their dating lives, relationship lives today? Are there any sort of common themes that you see an extra amount of in our culture? Um, I think there are a few things that that come to mind. I, I, well, I want to say I think like every generation, every generation, you'll see patterns and trends. And I think it's probably a tendency of <laughs> some generations uh, to almost like assess another generation's pattern or trend and feel sure. like it's worse. So <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's the, you know, Oh, back in my day, we didn't do it like that. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> like it's, it's almost like when my parents used to say stuff to me about like some of the R&B music I listened to growing up, but, and I would, and I would, my rebuttal would kind of be like, but yeah, like did Marvin Gaye sing about sexual healing? Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. So, um, this is like one of the things that I, that I would say, um, is this, is, um, this underestimation of the power of emotional attachments, like the casual dating thing. Now this is going to sound so antiquated and old, but I think there is like this assumption. It seems to be a trend, this assumption that, okay, I can date, have fun, and I'm not at risk of making emotional attachments with people that are mm. really not healthy for me. Mm. And um, it's almost like dating is kind of, man, this sounds so antiquated. It's kind of a recreational activity. Uh -huh. And I feel like what you're really doing to some degree is you're, you're, you're rolling the dice with your heart. And the impact that some of these relationships have on your heart like emotionally can affect you professionally, can affect, affects your focus, it affects you spiritually. So I feel like kind of the casual dating thing, that's, that's kind of a trend. I think short-term dating is a trend, uh, meaning, hey, just based on the season I'm in, let me find somebody that I feel like I can kind of have fun with, not necessarily somebody that's going to actually be a purpose partner for me. When it comes to long-term relationships uh, like marriage, you know, um, you are more than just people who date. You're more than just lovers. Like you're like life partners. And so I think um, obviously um, everybody that you date, you, you probably aren't going to marry yet at the same time. I think there's some danger to being short-sighted in your dating. So I think that there's sort of a, or at least I was raised, I can speak to myself. I was raised with a fear of breaking up and I never got very good at breaking up with people. Um, from personal experience, things you've observed, uh, when it's time to break up, is there a is there a better way to go about that? Even maybe a more godly way to go about breaking off a relationship uh, that is respectful and and kind and loving and more helpful that maybe we don't always get right when we do it. One hundred percent. So the answer to that question, I believe, is yes. I broke up with somebody. I was in college. I broke up with somebody uh, that I thought it was going to be a long term relationship. And I don't know, like months after that, I met my wife. It's this whole idea of like necessary endings sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know I was going to meet my wife, but if I didn't, <laughs> if, if I wasn't yeah. honest about, cause you know, sometimes breakups aren't really you doing anything. Sometimes breakups is acknowledging that the relationship is broken. It's, it's, it's two people facing the facts that this isn't yeah. what we thought it was. And it's not going to be what we thought it was going to be. So I feel like they are necessary from time to time. I wouldn't be with my wife, who is the woman for me, if it wasn't for a breakup in college. But I think the way we should go about doing it uh, should really line up with the golden rule. 
this whole idea of doing unto others what I would have them do unto me. So if someone's going to end a relationship with me, I would think through how would I want that done? Where would I want that done? What language would I want used? And uh, I feel like it's important to try to do your best to deliver it in that way. Because you want to see, if, if you're breaking up, you want to see yourself as releasing them and you into God's next for you both. That was Dr. Darius Daniels. Um, for more of that conversation, go check out the quarter life section at relevantmagazine.com presented by UHSM. Uh, also, you can follow uh, Darius on Twitter at Darius Daniels. And well, actually all the platforms. He's very prolific. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's a very special What's Jesse Thinking? This week on Relevant Recommends, we're talking about A Quiet Place Part 2, John Krasinski's follow-up to his runaway hit horror feature. Like the first one, there are plenty of jump scares here, but fortunately, there's also that same focus on the importance of love and family when all else seems lost. You can read more over at relevantmagazine.com. You're listening to the Black Keys. The song is Going Down South. Man, I like the Black Keys. That was a good era. Okay, it's time for... What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Well, I'll tell you. He's thinking about stuff because he's not doing yoga. He has not cleared his mind for the demons yeah. to come in. So I know, this I know, Whoa. I know the moment I stop thinking, there is just a whole legion that is just ready to just run in my ear hole and not come out when I tell them to. Like the Ivy's wait, trying to get into the storage closet that has all the sauces. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah, just waiting exactly. for the door to get cracked open. Yeah, yep, that is the that is the theological lesson I was given. No verses to back it up or anything, but you know, <laughs> checks out, checks out. I mean, you can't just be walking around with nothing in the old noodle. I mean, you know, it's basically <laughs> basically right, you, playing with a Ouija board. Okay, what are you thinking about this week? Well, uh, I'm thinking that. There needs to be more albums from fictional bands. And here's why. Uh, it was announced this week that uh, week. Uh, Chris Pratt, or last week, yeah, my apologies. Uh, it, it was announced last week, not Chris Pratt, but Andy Dwyer, uh, who, Chris Flat, who Chris Pratt played on Parks and Rec. Try saying that. Who Chris Pratt <laughs> played on Parks and Rec. It's very tricky. Um, is releasing an album with his fictional band Mouse Rat, uh, which will be co-produced by Entertainment 720, which is a fictional entertainment oh company <laughs> in the universe of Parks and Rec. Uh, it will feature uh, uh, a a special saxophone cameo from noted Pawnee saxophonist Duke Silver, obviously played by Nick Offerman on the show. Uh, Perd Happily will make an appearance on the album. It's 14 songs uh, that include, uh, obviously, the hit uh 5000 candles in the wind bye bye little sebastian but there are actually 14 mouse rat songs that are being released on this album 
one, I think I'm a big Parks and Rec fan. I think the show still holds up, and uh, I still enjoy kind of running the later it back. seasons. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Once it kind of got into its rhythm, but yeah. I just like this idea of uh, you know a fictional band uh, putting out an album that is is not fictional like it's not obviously the jokes have humor in it but it's an actually produced album of these characters playing or these musicians playing in character is this like a garth brooks thing it's not too dissimilar but you know this band actually you know rose to prominence because they were a feature it was a plot point on the show so let's hear a clip of uh, five thousand candles in the wind a classic Okay, I'm I'm all about this, guys. I want more albums from fictional bands. I actually think we could do our own little Christian music festival with that Christian band <laughs> that Jesse Plemons played in in Friday Night Lights. Anybody remember that one? <gasps> yes. Do the I? Christian band Friday Night Lights, okay. yes. Okay, how about how about uh, Faith Plus One, Cartman's band from South Park? If hey Clark, play play a clip of their fake uh, parody worship song. I love you, Jesus. I want you to walk with me. I take good care of your baby. Call you my baby, baby. You died for my sins. Know that I would die for you. Faith plus one. South Cartman, make your worship album. I will listen to it. Feel very badly after, but uh, I will laugh probably. So. Faith plus one. Was that his band's name? I didn't remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I didn't know. Wait, Cartman did a Christian Christian band on South Park? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it was that a, episode. It, it was an episode where they were kind of making fun of like the Christian music industry. And he wrote a song. Here, let me pull up the, his lyrics real quick. Cartman basically um, uh, uh, uses sort of Mad Lib style to write the number one Christian song in the world. I love you, Jesus. I want you to walk with me. I'll take good care of you. Yeah, baby. Call you my baby, baby. You died for my sins. And you know that I would die for you, right? Like he's basically writing a love song and just put Jesus all in it. And it becomes the number one song in the country. And that was like the whole episode of, of South Park. So uh, I would probably listen to that whole album. Yeah. Shout out Carmen. Okay. A couple other ones that I think we, we need to see. Scrantonicity and Scrantonicity 2. If Kevin Malone, if the guy who played Kevin from The Office released an album of police cover songs, who's not listening to that at least once just for the fun of it? I'm I'm with it. Okay. All right. How about uh, this one? You know, I'm this one's very close to me personally, Uh, but it's it's Jesse and the Rippers, which is John (laughs) Stamos's band from Full House. You're telling me that if John Stamos put out a glam rock album, it would be the talk of the internet but it for wasn't, at least but it a couple wasn't, of days. It wasn't glam rock. It was he was infatuated with Elvis, so it was kind of like yes. oldies uh, rock. Remember in the '90s, he was infatuated with '60s Elvis stuff, so it was mm-hmm. kind of that. I don't know, but go go ahead. <laughs> Kim, like, said, uh, Kim said, "I pass." <laughs> I pass on that one. I'm with you okay. on the other ones. Grandnicity okay. too. I love. 
All right, Drive Shaft. Remember the band from Lost? Remember one of the guys from Lost that was yeah. in the plane crash was in a yeah. band that yeah, was like his whole story. Of the Rings. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. They had they had that one song. You all. Everybody. I never saw one Lost episode. Does Lost still stand up in y'all's opinions? I liked it. I haven't rewatched it, but and I also think it's one of those like you can't watch the Sixth Sense anymore because you know, you and so it just it, yeah. doesn't have the same. And now yeah. that we know how it ends and how mm-hmm. poorly it ends, it's or just kind of like, yeah. and so many things are unanswered. You're yeah. going to see all these things happen that just, they forgot about. And it's just like, we were all wrapped up in it every week, talking about it, dissecting it. And then they just, in hindsight, like they didn't even know what they were doing. Like it wasn't even as thoughtful as we thought it so was. So what, what was the, they got lost on the island. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get off the island. And then and there was like 87 years. Yeah. There was like the others and there was smoke monsters. And then all of a sudden, like time portals start opening up and you're just kind of going, what? What's going on? Anyway. Oh, okay. So it just devolved into, into stupidity. It just got weirder and weirder. And, you know. So what's Jesse thinking about Lost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And fictional bands. So there we go. And fictional there we go. bands. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for. What's Jesse thinking? Oh. Huh? Well, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to mention a couple things. I, I mentioned Quarter Life earlier. When you're over at the Quarter Life section at relevantmagazine.com or reading a Quarter Life article, uh, make sure to grab our new free ebook, the Quarter Life Handbook. It's a free download featuring amazing insight, practical advice from leaders like Shauna Nequist, Christine Kane, Scott Harrison, so many others. Um, the ebook is available for free thanks to UHSM, just like all of Quarter Life. Go check it out. Also, to not miss a thing on the relevant homepage, you can sign up for our new daily newsletter, bringing you the top five trending stories at Relevant every morning. Go check it out. Curate it down to just the best of the best in your inbox every morning. And in our faith section, you can check out our daily devotional series. It's called Deeper Walk. It's presented by our friends at Lumo. Uh, there's a morning devotional email you can sign up for. There's a new daily devotional podcast. You can get it on all the podcast platforms. It is awesome. Check out Deeper Walk presented by Lumo. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Miner. If he makes it, oh. we will see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs> have fun in Wyoming, Derek. All right. Yo. <laughs> y'all have a good trip. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.